This is a Culture Inject production. Welcome back to the Nevers Podcast and another mailbag episode. You had a lot to get off your chest and we're here to listen. So we're cracking open the mailbox once more and answering your letters. I'm Laura. And I am Chirag. And if you would like to follow us online, you can visit our website at hbothenevers.com. We are also on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at hbothenevers and at hbotheneverspodcast without an A. The Nevers Podcast is available to download just about everywhere. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, YouTube, and anywhere else that you can stream podcasts. Any ideas, interview requests, comments, or questions can be sent to the Nevers Podcast at gmail.com. Please also rate and review our podcast. Your ratings and reviews help to get our podcast seen and heard by more people and grow our community. So we've got a few emails that are all the Nevers related because this is the Nevers podcast. So our first email is from Rochelle Tagger, and the subject for this one is the need for publicity. So um, Rochelle says that, uh, so love the podcast, love the show. I was shocked when I asked other people if they had seen the show, and they all said they had never even heard of the series. It's very annoying. You have to wonder, can HBO get rid of that ridiculous, boring, unintelligent official podcast? Blah. Uh, Thank you for your um, letter, Rochelle. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of under-talked about. It's not... Yeah. I mean, when it was coming out, I... I mean, obviously, I was lucky enough to be to be in it when they very first started filming the first episode, way back in the summer of 2019. So I knew from then that it existed. But on the run-up to it, only probably about the two weeks beforehand was their adverts on the, on the television. Um, and... If you had the the Sky box thing adverts on Sky, but um, yeah, I don't know, and I'm wondering if maybe the advert just didn't entice a lot of people. If people were just like, "Oh, there's some weird Victorian show, and I'm not really sure what that's about," and just didn't watch it, because there's a lot of people that I thought that I know who I thought would really love the show, and just haven't even looked at it, or have looked at it and not really interested, or they've not even heard of it. I think it has definitely kind of missed its it its mark in terms of yeah, I don't well, know. Well, a lot of TV shows retrospectively become popular, like Breaking yeah. Bad for example, in its first two seasons was like this really small show that very few people knew about, and then I think when it got put on Netflix, that's when it really caught fire and became a phenomenon. When And then season three or whatever, people started tuning in by the millions and, it, you know, tweeting about it and stuff. So it might just take some time for it to catch on with people. And also HBO Max is like the 10th tenth, uh, tenth biggest streaming service. So it's not like it has an abundance of people to, to spread the word. I think the latest rankings I saw... There's like 50 million subscribers on HBO Max, which is like a fourth, like 20% of Netflix's subscription base. So it's not that many people. So it's not being on just like regular telly in America? No, no, it's not as far as I'm aware. 
Ah, see, in England, it's on just like if you've got Sky or whatever on your TV box. Um, mm. Like you can just watch it on on, on TV because we don't have HBO Max or right. yeah, I think that's only like a, an American domain thing. So yeah, that's strange because I feel like if it was just on telly where everyone has access to it, or if they put it on regular telly, eventually right. more people will will watch well, it. But you're right that like right now, I don't know why I would. I, like I, pay and get HBO Max, I suppose. I mean, it, it might be <laughs> other than to watch this. It might be on the HBO channel, but I think even then, right. like cable cable subscriptions are kind of dying out and and uh, not as popular now as it used to be. So I don't know about that. I mean, it worked for Game of Thrones. That was on HBO, the channel. So maybe you're right. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, you're right, Rochelle. I agree with you. It it should be more yeah. talked about. Marketing department uh, should ramp ramp it up for the next part of the season. All right. Uh, the next email is from Sebastian. They say, hi, all. I know I'm a bit late, but I just started rewatching The Nevers and finishing the first episode, my favorite. I've decided to give your podcast a listen, and boy, was it beneficial. Not only is it produced, done, and set up extremely well, the insights and discussions are super interesting and very deep. Really appreciate listening. Uh, It definitely adds to the show and makes one consider understand things not necessarily noticed while watching. Great stuff. I will surely continue listening. Uh, thank you. Your compliments are uh, accepted. And Sebastian continues, just a little gripe from my side and really the only thing I strongly disagreed with. Again, referring to episode one, I was shocked that you didn't like the music. I'm, I'm not usually one to pay overly much attention to stuff like that while watching, but at least in the first episode, the music immediately drew me in and set the tone the song Miss True is so nice that I have it playing on repeat. I find it super whimsical and it added so much to the episode and overall theme. Total standout for me. And the music playing at the end when the touched are, well, being touched, supported the scene in such a nice way. Anyways, thanks for doing such a great podcast and smart thinking to tie over the time until season two with thoughts on other Whedon related things. Keep up the amazing work. Yeah, I liked the music too. I I don't know what these guys were talking about. I thought it was fantastic. It fit the episode perfectly. Yeah, I was going to say, I think in the first episode, Chirag said that he really liked the music. I said that it it's good, but it didn't like um, blow me away in terms of like a And you a, were a wrong. You were wrong. And now <laughs> the listeners hate us. So thank you. <laughs> it's just I haven't like, I haven't, I've watched it like three or four times now and I haven't, but I haven't gone and listened to the to the soundtrack, which is something that I do, but I just haven't done with this. So mm. I don't know. Maybe I should do that yeah. um, and just see. But uh, yeah, it's just like when I watched it, it complements the show perfectly and it's great. But yeah, it's just not like um, one of those standouts that makes me want to run and buy the CD straight away or whatever. But um, thank you for your Well, letter. you can treat this podcast as your confession box and you can really like <laughs> let that out and then you can atone for that. By going back and listening <laughs> to the score, and you'll make. And come back next time and be like, "I listened to it. I'm ever sorry. It's amazing. It's the best thing I've ever listened to in my life." So next we have Bradley. Well, good morning, afternoon, evening. Um, I feel at this point I should grab a drink or coffee as we discuss this. It's been a pleasure to be mentioned. Okay, so with Jason Marshall and his good insights and articles on your website, HBO 
um, thenevers.com, a few questions were brought up. Uh, Sarah never had her touch uh, front and centre in the orphanage like the others. It took her and Dr. Haig meeting and then two years to bring it out. Why not after three months, six months, a year, even two days of torture, did it not come forth? Since we know pain drives it, um, I would think that it would have gained strength within a short time. Could her touch uh, or turn uh, have been something else and Dr. Haig uh, manipulated it to be evil? Or is she in fact part Rogue Galanthi. As you mentioned in earlier podcasts, uh, we see her eye, we see the Galanthi eye almost kind of similar in colour, and when Haig treated her, she became aggressive, almost like the Galanthi remembering the pain from its friends being tortured and killed in episode 6. It didn't want to go through that and escaped, but again, I question why Haig um, was not hunted down immediately, only the psychoanalysts. Uh, Malady mentioned to Horatio that she won't hurt him because he doesn't play with the brain. For some reason, I can't picture Sarah in a room with psychoanalysts or some ward being plucked and experimented on. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for your letter, Bradley. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it'd be interesting if we see... I mean, like, see any backlash of the actual torture and what they did to, to Malady, because at the moment we don't know. But I agree with you that it's, um, I, like, I noticed and picked up on the fact that Malady doesn't, I don't know, she's fully aware of what happened. She's the only one that remembers the, the Galanthi in the sky. She must have felt something when she was touched, yet she hasn't kind of tried to bring anything forth and clearly doesn't feel anything at the time when she's in the asylum with um with Molly so it's kind of it yeah it's kind of strange but then as we learn if the if the power has always been to to take in pain and turn it she wasn't experiencing any pain or torment at that time and as for like how long it would take her to kind of build up that pain and that power I think there's an extent, isn't it? If she's strapped down in a room, I don't know how much pain it would take for her to like pull and break a a, a chain or you know break out of a door of an asylum. I, I I I'm not sure how far her her angry super strength takes her when surrounded by several people locked in an asylum somewhere, possibly underground. Do you know what I mean? Like I. I reckon it probably did take her a good while to escape, just because she's still just one person and we don't know how long that pain kind of lasts once she's built it up. There's, there's a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to, to Sarah's turn. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting if we get any backstory and see anything of her from the asylum with Dr. Haig. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, we need an escape plan prequel episode. We need like the, the suicide squad getting out. Or that, I, I, where do I start with that? I, it, it's very stream of consciousness. There's a lot of questions. Um, I don't, maybe she, there's a lot of malady that happened off screen that we don't know. Maybe she did try to hunt, uh, that guy, Haig. Maybe she did immediately yeah. go after him, but for whatever reason, he abstracted himself behind layers of just inaccessibility and she couldn't reach him. So she settled for some other psychoanalysts and did some other stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's... I think. Have you seen that movie Sky High? No, it's, I know of it. It's the it's the best superhero movie ever made, in my opinion. 
So I don't know if I'm going to trust you. No, no, but it's, it is. It's, it's definitely number one. Sky High is the best superhero <laughs> movie ever made. Uh, so in that movie, there's this kid who is the son of like the superstar superheroes of all time, like the two greatest superheroes. Um, but he doesn't have any powers himself. So he's kind of living in the shadow of his parents' celebrity. Um, and he, he, you know, he keeps trying to jump off the roof and like lift bricks and stuff, but he's weak and has no powers. And they send him off to Superhero Academy with no powers. And his powers only come out when they absolutely need to come out, which is when he's about to get like flamed by a fire dude bully guy. So, like, in that sense, I think Malady's powers only come out when they absolutely need to come out for her mm. survival, either physically or emotionally. So, it could be that in the orphan, in the, not orphanage, in the, what is it called, uh, asylum, she was just in a place of docility and there wasn't really anything happening to her where she needed to pull that out. But when she got tortured that's when she really like was desperate to break those chains and therefore it came out even though it was in her the whole time yeah yeah and i don't think it's totally pain inspired i think that was the contortion that there was more to it than just pain there i think there was love i think there was protection and empathy and compassion and uh, you know it, it just got twisted into pain which is what a yeah. lot of people, a lot of people's uh, psychologies become, get twisted into this this thing where you think the world is out to get you and uh, you have to be on guard all the time and people will stab you in the back and you know that kind of outlook. It happens and it, it, we get twisted into that. Yeah, I think the only re- uh, reason that Haig has not been got is just because like all of the other like doctors are not under the care of uh, of Bidlow like they don't she clearly cares about Haig and he's the most important element right to figuring out whatever they're figuring out so he's got her protection and they're hiding out wherever whereas the other doctors have just gone back to their lives and they've been easy for for Malady to find and kill Hmm. I think it's just yeah yeah but um thank you very much for your letter Bradley thank you thank you Bradley Hello Nevers fans, my name is Jason C. Marshall, and for those who follow us on Instagram and Twitter and use the webpage, HBO The Nevers, you would be familiar with my articles about the various aspects of the show, the Galanthi, my theories on why the Touch have the powers they do, who went back in time with Amalia, etc., or with Zephyr, excuse me. And um, firstly, I want to say thank you to Matthew for uh, reaching out after he saw my scene breakdowns on Instagram, where I didn't plan on doing scene-by-scene breakdowns of the show. In fact, I'm not even out of episode one yet. But as a filmmaker and a story structure expert, script doctor, screenwriting coach, etc., there's a number of things that, that jumped out at me. And it was originally just a couple posts to log down things I, I noticed, uh, like excellent use of foreshadowing um, across the first number of scenes in, in episode one. 
acting choices, um, just amazing subtlety that conveys so much. It's just, it's an incredible show. And uh, before I tell you how I got into it, I do want to say that um, after I watched the first six episodes, I went looking for a podcast. And the first one that came up was um, was the Nevers podcast. Um, and immediately the relationship and mutual respect back and forth conversations between uh, Shirag and Laura really, really appealed to me. Um, especially Shirag's analytical nature, it very much lines up with with how I view view content, and because uh, I like to I like to take it apart, I like to break it down, and and see all the pieces and how they work together to to produce some quality content. And in fact, I never actually planned on watching the Nevers. I think I saw a poster one time before it was it had aired on HBO here, but uh, I was like thought to myself, oh, just it's another Victorian show. So I kind of dismissed it and actually stumbled upon it uh, quite by accident. And generally everything about the show really spoke to me, but Laura Donnelly's performance was so good. So good. Outwardly is the strong character, but she subtly conveys the internal trauma and damage. And she's just such an interesting character to me, that uh, I was I was immediately drawn in. Anyway, so that's uh, kind of how that went down. And then, um, as I said, Matthew invited me to to do some writing for the site, which I'd never done before. And uh, it was a wonderful experience because it gave me a chance to kind of deep dive into into things that just interested me and kind of work them out as uh, as I did research and started the writing process. So all in all, I stumbled onto an amazing show that that really spoke to me, um, just because I was able to see all the pieces, all the departments working together. It just the the cohesiveness in storytelling, not just not just in scripting, not just in dialogue, but set design, wardrobe, music. It's all it's all hitting at 110%. Uh, and then I found this podcast uh, that uh, I was like, this is great. And um, and just by, you know, making posts in me, it has led to these other things. I'm writing for the, writing for the website now. Um, I plan on doing some video content to post. I'm going to keep doing my Instagram posts, which I might do a variation on and post them into the community section of the website, which I feel doesn't get as much traction as it could, although there may be more conversations happening on the Facebook group uh, rather than the rather than the community on the webpage. But uh, I'm going to try to post some more stuff there, see if we can get some more engagement, because there's nothing I love more than talking to other Nevers fans. So thank you to everyone for um, allowing me to to write and share and connect. It's it's been a wonderful experience, and I look forward to doing more of more of that. So take care and keep on listening. I know this. Okay, sorry. The, so emails. 
I was wondering if Laura will appear in any episodes of the second half of season one. Have you managed to find a way again? I love the podcast, Janelle. Um, so I haven't done any filming on it yet. I've received like um you get just like generic casting calls through and unfortunately I haven't been available for any of the ones. Um we're filming at the minute a lot of uh because of COVID we have to you have to be available for like a COVID test, then a fitting, then another COVID test, then possibly another COVID test before you even get to like one day of filming. So you have to be available a lot of the time for like quite a lot of days over a week or two. Um, so because I have a part-time job, it's kind of sometimes difficult to kind of work it in. So at the moment, I've like, I've done quite a lot of film work in the last year, considering um, the lockdown and everything. Probably actually more than I would do in a, in a usual year. But um, in terms of big stuff like this... Uh, yeah, I've done mostly like small TV stuff um, for like British TV. Uh, I haven't really done any big TV shows. And again, the same as like all the Warner Brothers and like Marvel films and stuff that are going on at the moment in the UK. A lot of them, they need you to be available for like at least a week. And I just can't, unfortunately. So I haven't been able to uh, say yes to any of the Nevers jobs yet. But I'm assuming they'll be filming at least up until Christmas. So... We we shall see. I'm 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 trying my best. If I'm available, then I will I will do it. Um, obviously. Uh, so so hopefully hopefully I'll get a job through that I can can accept. I'm pulling for you. It would be very cool. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Janelle. Anyway. So that'll do for this episode of the podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed the Nevered podcast, uh, we would, of course, like it if you left us a positive review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever else you stream your podcasts. For more Nevers-related content, uh, you can find us on the web at hbothenevers.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at hbothenevers and at the Nevers Podcast, and also at the Nevers Podcast without an A. Comments or questions can be sent to theneverspodcast at gmail.com. Please also rate and review our podcast and help us reach more listeners. So um, yeah, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Chirag, for joining me today. Uh, And until next week, this has been the Nevers Podcast. Bye. Hello, this is Chirag coming at you with a PSA. I am stepping away from this podcast to spend more time with my subaquatic cave. I want to thank everyone out there who was brave enough to be on the receiving end of my horrible vibrating larynx. You truly are heroes, each and every one of you. I also want to thank all the cowards out there who don't listen to this podcast because they're fearful and intimidated. I love you. I love all of you. I love you all deeply and equally. While I'm away, Laura will be joined by some other truly, really extraordinary co-hosts. Don't quote me here. But I've heard whispers through the grapevine that joining Laura as co-hosts will be several former prime ministers of Belgium, the world's top quantum physicists, at least half the cast of Friends, and this podcast will continue 
to be a rich source of discussion about the Nevers and Firefly, Belgian geopolitics, and I think Courtney Cox has quite a bit to say about quantum entanglement, so stay tuned. Peace out. This episode of the Nevers Podcast was written, produced, and edited by Matthew at Culture Inject Studios. The intro and outro music was produced by Gilirme Morais. We are more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on the Nevers and chat with other fans by visiting hbothenevers.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search HBO The Nevers, all one word, and click that follow button. The Nevers Podcast is not endorsed by Mutant Enemy, Warner Media Entertainment, or any of its subsidiaries, including Home Box Office, HBO, and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. The Nevers and all names, pictures, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders. Harry Potter. If Harry Potter was a bit common, I would like some water. (laughs) Water, bring us the water, mate. <laughs> you guys either really pronounce the T's or you don't, you go, totally ignore them. Like you say water, water, or you say water, something like that. So my thing with, um, uh, like with the American accent, I feel like you guys don't pronounce T's. They come out like a soft D. Yeah. yeah. D, like water or... Water, but, water. But yeah, we either, depends really, if you're a bit common like me, a lot of the time you're like... You know, water. You, know, you just you just don't pronounce it at all. It's an imaginary T in the Americans, middle. Americans Americans kind of talk like they're on a horse tranquilizer or something. They have really relaxed mouths and just kind of say, yeah, it's like they water. Yeah. I like I would like some water." And then you guys over there in in the English countryside, or I don't know, that's where London or whatever. <laughs> uh, if we're if we're very well spoken, then we pronounce yeah, everything pronou- it's like very hard to speak like you you're, all the muscles in your face need to be used to say water it's you like, have to really use it yeah it's very kind of yeah really paying attention to where your your mouth's hitting the mm. but yeah water water exactly you're you're like the Butter. tight pants of <laughs> of accents you're very tight <laughs> but it's 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 charming <laughs> it's charming when it's bumbling coming out of Hugh Grant or something it's cool. But I feel like in America, it's, it's such a huge country and to have all these different accents kind of makes sense. But in England, we're such a tiny country, but you literally go, you know, half an hour, an hour down the road and people have completely different accents. The the, the accents throughout England is, they're pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah. Like that we have such a big range even of accents. Even in America, um, even in America, like if you go down south, they're going to have... They're gonna talk a little bit like this, you know. I'm a cowboy and that kind of thing. And if you if you go north, <laughs> if you go to Pittsburgh, New York, Detroit, uh, like there's different accents everywhere, even culturally and eth- 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 ethnically. And the, uh, there's there's all sorts mm. of different kind of dialects here that just don't get as much publicity as Europe because Europe uh, is a uh, ethnocentric, the center of the world. They think they're so important over there in their big plateau. With their Eiffel Towers and their whatever, but you're not important. You're just a, you're just a tiny little plateau. 
You don't. You shouldn't even be your own continent, really. You're connected to Asia. You're not. You're not even. Europe is not its own thing. Europe is just. Europe is West Asia, basically. That's what I'm gonna call you. Okay. Well, when I go when I go to America, or even when I meet people over in here in England, so I'm from Essex, and people often think that I'm Australian. I think Essex has like a little bit of an Australian twang to it. But yeah, it's kind of funny to. Yeah, pretty much every time I've ever been to America, people are like, you know, oh my god, are you Australian? It's like, no, I'm I'm from London, yeah. mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 